Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves, dial in toll-free, bring up any 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're completely free, so enjoy those. Again, that's freetalklive.com. So much to talk about tonight, Mark. Uh, It's hard to decide where to start. There's news that is relevant uh, across the country. We can go national. We can go down to the the local level in Orange County, where... uh, California? Yeah. we We can go with the Postal Service. Or we can go with a yard war. Where should we start? Let's go with the yard war. Yard war. Los Angeles Times reporting that uh, the city of, uh, let's see, Orange, actually. Maybe it's not Orange County. Is Orange in Orange County? One would think, but I I don't know. It's in Los Angeles. It's the LA Times. LATimes.com. Some Southern California cities fine residents for watering their lawns too much during droughts. Uh, Mark, you and I are familiar with this. I mean, having been uh, former... Florida the inhabitants, they have watering restrictions like if you're odd-numbered house, you can't water on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays yes. or, some, or Sundays or something like that. Uh, and then there's not only are there days of the week in which you are allowed to water, but there are also uh, hours during the day in which you are also restricted from or allowed to water during those times. I have to admit, I think it's stupid to water your lawn in Florida at noon. Um, Best I mean, times early morning, right? It's it's a great way to send, to to vaporize water. It's not a really yeah. great way to water your lawn. The best time to do it is early morning, you know, four to four to six or three to five or something like that. And then you know, the the plants, then the water sinks in, and then the plants, you know, they they get the sunlight during the day, and it doesn't evaporate so much water. What now? Why is it better to do it in the early early morning as opposed to like midnight or seven at night or something like that? <laughs> um, because there can be some fungus growth if the water sits too long. You don't want the water to sit sort of on top of the the mm-hmm. the, the, the plants for too long because it can uh, cause fungus growth. Got it. All right. So uh, isn't to- it amazing the the vast storage of knowledge? You you I I, I see why you keep me around. <laughs> All right. So, so actually, the the vast storage of knowledge, Mark, is our listeners who have a whole lot more combined than yeah. They uh, usually make me look silly. Uh, the, there's a bit of a dispute. They though. have the advantage of being able to sit there and, and tick away on their computers and then call in and act That's like they true. do something though. Uh, but in Orange, officials are locked in a legal battle with a couple accused of violating city ordinances for removing their lawn in an attempt to save water. So on one hand, you've got uh, governments that make all these rules about how, well, you need to conserve water, da-da-da-da-da, and they put out all this propaganda. But then if you actually go and take some pretty extreme measures uh, to actually save water and save money also because then you aren't paying for uh, the water that you're watering your grass and your plants with anymore, and and these folks will find out what they were um, water with, with well water, but go ahead. It depends on if wells are allowed where you are or not. You can usually have a a, a well for uh, watering purposes. It's not necessarily. Are you really familiar with what's usual in California? I'm not familiar. Anything in California is okay. We're talking about California here. So the dispute began two years ago when Quan and Angelina Ha tore out the grass in their front yard. In drought-plagued Southern California, the couple said the lush grass had been soaking up tens of thousands of gallons of water and hundreds of dollars each year. They said they were trying to do something good for the environment, and I'm sure also doing something good for their uh, their budget, their mm-hmm. house, home, home There's budget. There's a lot of options out there. You can have like a stone. Um, 
Xeriscaping. Lawn, yes. You can have the, the low-maintenance uh, uh, plants out there. You can have – they even uh, – Home Depot has this sort of long AstroTurf stuff. It looks like – Grass. Hmm. Uh, they had it for, uh, you know, uh, they made an interior garden at a, at a show that I was at, a gol- uh, garden home show that I was at um, while I was down in Sarasota, and they made it look pretty good. Personally, I, I hate grass. I hate it with a passion, uh, having had to, uh, to cut it when I was a, a kid in Florida. And, of course, if you live in Florida, there really aren't very many weeks in the year in which you aren't cutting grass. There's the <laughs> winter time where it doesn't really it grow that down. much. But most of the rest of the year, it's, you know, nine months on, you're out there cutting the lawn. Whereas here, it's the the reverse. Here in New Hampshire, it's like three months a year where you actually have to cut the grass. Uh, But so I I just, I I grew to hate grass and I don't like the way it smells and I don't like the way it feels. If you, you know, if you were to like lay down in it, for instance, there's that itchy sensation. So when I was down in Florida, I actually tore up, I did something similar to what these folks did. I tore up my entire lawn and replaced it. Now I actually put ground cover down, not because I knew that there had to be ground cover or what the regulations were or whatever. I just felt that would increase the uh, resale value. I thought it was pretty. It was pretty. And it was, but it took an awful lot of, uh, an awful lot of work. I was considering doing stones or something like that, and uh, so I, I have I have a real appreciation for where these people are coming from. You know, the reason they tore their grass out was because, well, it was just eating up a lot of water, and they didn't really feel like paying for it and using that water. So they said they were trying to do something good for the environment. We've got a newborn, so we want to start worrying about her future, said Quan Ha, an information technology manager for Kelly Blue Book. But city officials told the Haas they were violating several city laws that require residents to cover significant portions of their front yards with live ground cover. On Tuesday, the couple is scheduled to appear in Orange County Superior Court to challenge the city's lawsuit against them. Soon after the city complained about the yard, the Haas placed wood chips on top of the dirt with help from a neighbor. According to uh, Dennis Cleek is the neighbor, he said, it's their yard. It's not overgrown with weeds. It's not an eyesore. He owns uh, who's his, his yard boasts uh, fruit trees. He said, we should be able to have our yards look the way we want them to. <laughs> what does he think? He lives in America or something like where it's free? Does, does this guy think that he actually lives in a free country? Well, surprise, surprise. <laughs> you try to make your lawn or your yard the way you want it to be. If it's not within the specs of your masters, then uh, master's going to come down, possibly steal your home from you. Because that's typically how it happens when, you know, you cross some sort of zoning or uh, code enforcement ordinance. If you break the, the code enforcement ordinances and you don't rectify the situation at the Very city's quickly. behest, then they'll put a lien on your home. And if they put a lien on your home, after a few years, they can likely take your home. So that's the consequence for taking out some grass from your yard and putting in uh, some things to to try to make it pretty to your eyes. Maybe you don't like grass. Well, as you might imagine, the Haas did attempt to uh, appease their masters in the city, and we'll explain that here in a moment. But yes, they are scheduled to appear in court over this. City officials said the fix was not acceptable when they put down the wood chips. They said that was not acceptable, saying city codes require that 40% of the yard be landscaped predominantly with live plants. Senior Assistant City Attorney Wayne Winthers put it bluntly. He said, Compliance. That's all we've ever wanted. (laughs) And isn't that what it's really about? Isn't it really about obedience? It makes you wonder if any of the nurseries around there might have been involved in this. In that regulation? It it, it seems speculative. I I would agree that... uh, 
if I just saw some dirt lawn out there, I probably wouldn't think that's particularly attractive. So maybe they, you know, maybe it's just from an aesthetic standpoint they came up with this. Probably. I don't know. Because they did go buy some uh, some plants. Last summer, the couple tried to appease the city by building a fence around the yard and planting drought-tolerant greenery. Lavender, rosemary, horsetail, and pitosporum, among others. They sent a photo of the yard to city officials in October. But according to the city, their landscaping still did not comply with city standards. They put up a nice fence, but the photo didn't show anything about how they had complied with the code, as far as the front yard goes, according to the bureaucrat. And I love this part. Nor did it include a site plan. Oh, yeah. The site plan. That's the uh, the several thousand dollar piece of paper that you must get from their friends at the survey companies that they've managed to set up. Why do you have to have a site plan in to order to put your in, yard? Yeah. In order to get your yard up to spec that they asked you to get it up to. Yeah. Site plan. Well, you have to because they say so. At the end of January, the Haas received a letter saying they've been charged with a misdemeanor violation and must appear in court. Quan Ha says, it's just funny that we pay our taxes to the city, and the city is now prosecuting us with our own money. Doesn't it waste funds to go back and forth in court rather than sending pictures, emails, and having phone conversations? Well, see, Quan, yeah, you, you're, you're, you're a reasonable guy. You, I understand what you're saying here. Yes, that does make sense, what you're saying, to you know send pictures, emails, and have phone conversations. But that presumes that these are reasonable people that you're talking to people that you can somehow appease uh, without doing everything they demand of you. 800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. Bring up anything and tell your code enforcement story if you want. It's Free Talk Live. And for the grand prize, why was marijuana made illegal? Uh, because it's a gateway drug. Because there's no medical value. Because it corrupts the youth. Uh, cause drugs are bad, okay? Cause, cause it kills your brain cells. Uh, cause it makes you dumb. Cause it makes you lazy. Uh, cause it'll make boys grow boobs. Uh, cause it threatens industry and Americans are a bunch of sheep. MarijuanaMuscle.com Talk Live, you can bring up anything. You dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. You can join us online. Freetalklive.com. All the features are completely free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. Features including our webcam and chat room all together on the same page. So you can watch, listen, and get interactive with our other listeners over at cam.freetalklive.com. That is cam.freetalklive.com. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy for you to get your own .com domain name. You can create your own website from uh, whether it's an e-commerce, a, a total e-commerce business website or just a personal blog. You can do it with their uh, web builder tools and templates. Use code FTL. That's FTL is in Free Talk Live. Sign up at HostGator.com and receive your first month completely free. Don't use FTL. Don't get the first month free at HostGator.com. All right, 800-259-9231. Uh, we're talking about a story out of Orange, California, where a young couple has decided to change up their yard. They've torn out all the grass and replaced it with uh, what I, I think is called xeriscaping. Essentially, it's a, a kind of landscaping that is designed to uh, re- reduce the amount of water necessary in order to sustain whatever plants are growing there. 
And at first, I don't know if they actually had any plants out there. Uh, they just tore out all the, the the grass. The city government people started threatening them, uh, them over it, so they put down some, uh, I guess, some some bark or something like that, some some sort of covering over the dirt there. And they didn't like that either. They also put on some, uh, put in some plants, but not enough plants to satisfy the city. The city wants 40% of the yard to be landscaped predominantly with live plants. So this is going to court, and the couple has been charged with a misdemeanor violation. So uh, I guess the couple is, is planning on suing the city, and the uh, the city is going after the, the couple. And it's just a nasty situation where... And, of course, everybody gets to throw in their two cents. I'm looking at the the comments list, and one person says, I don't find it very attractive at all. It's barren. Unless finances are holding them back, I don't see why they couldn't plant more ground cover. Why shouldn't they be grass farmers like the rest of us? Well, that's just it. (laughs) I sound like Templeton from uh, Charlotte's Web. You know, in America here, we've we've come to uh, sort of... Be grass farmers. There's there's no really good reason why you would grow grass out in front of your house. No, but, it's stupid. You know, it's 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 sort of um, it's evolved from the royalty keeping gardens and things like that. You know, there's it's it's just this century that uh, people have started doing this kind of thing, yeah. keeping lawns. Uh, I mean, th- those things should be reserved for growing food. That's what mm. it's for. That's what it should be used for. That's what land used to be used for, right? Indeed. And if you don't want to grow food on it, you know, why should you? Right. I had fruit trees in the back of my yard in Florida, and, you know, I just didn't go out and pick the fruit. I'd run it over the lawnmowers, make the thing smell nice. So there are people here uh, supporting and complaining in the comments as though they should have any ability to have a say in what somebody's yard looks like. If that's what you want... If what you want is to be able to know for sure that your neighbors down the street are going to have a lush, green, grassy lawn because you think that's just so special, then there are plenty of closed communities that you can go to join. There are plenty of deed-restricted neighborhood associations wherein when you purchase a home there, you are informed that, hey, here's our rules. You get to, you can look at these rules and find out what you can and can't do. Find out what colors you can paint your house. Find out what uh, your yards can your yard can look like. How high your grass can be. All kinds of there's all kinds of micromanaging uh, rules for various different neighborhoods. I remember there was a neighborhood in Sarasota, Florida that I had some friends in once that didn't allow trucks after a certain time at night. Meaning you couldn't, couldn't park. You could not park yeah. your truck. Out in your driveway. You could keep your truck in your garage closed at nighttime, but after like 10 o'clock at night. Yeah, pickup truck not allowed. Yeah, it's considered a work vehicle. What the hell does it matter at at midnight? Whether you've got a a pickup truck out there. It was just... I never really understood it. It's crazy rules they right. have. That's what I'm telling you. They're crazy a, amounts of rules. I had a guy who was doing some work in my house, brought his tool trailer, his giant, you know, big big tool trailer mm-hmm. there, and he parked it in the driveway and left it there a couple of days. I got a notice from the county. Yeah, but I'm talking about private rules. I'm not just talking about the absurdities of the government. You, When you go into neighborhood associations, that's what the 10 o'clock uh, truck rule was. It was a private neighborhood. They got it from the government. <laughs> Did they? Well, I've never heard of such – I've never heard of that governmental rule, but I, I've certainly seen some really absurd rules in the private uh, neighborhood associations. And that's what I'm talking about here is if you want to control your neighbors, the, the appearance of their property, then that's where you should be living. If you live outside of that area, there shouldn't be any kind of restrictions. 
it's just it just upsets me when when things like this happen. I I, I wish these folks the best of luck. Uh, the Haas, who are currently going to be going to face misdemeanor charges because they decided they want to conserve water. Oh, yeah, there's one more fact here in the, the article. They said that the reason they did this was to reduce the amount of water they've been using on their lawn. They say that they, they uh, consumed 299,221 gallons of water in 2007. In 2009, that number had been reduced Mark to 58,348. So from almost 300,000 down to 58,000, simply by changing the style of their yard. So they succeeded at their goal of yeah. reducing the amount of water and thereby the hundreds of dollars that they'd been paying in water bills every year. And the city is going to possibly put them in a jail cell over this, possibly steal their home. It's going to be one or the other. With, with, with this kind of action, it's, this is a misdemeanor violation. That sounds to me like possible jail if they don't pay the fine, whatever the fine is going to be. And, of course, Likely. part of the court order is going to be that they fix their yard according to whatever the government standards are. Mm. And so it could end up being that they put a lien on their home if they don't pay the fine or possibly going to jail. But either way, the city is more than happy to aggress against you. And, and don't think this is just a California thing. There are yard restrictions all over this place. Remember the story about the old lady? I think it was in Utah. Uh, there was an old lady who was essentially arrested and thrown down on the ground by a police officer because she her yard was too brown like her yard was not as uh, an appropriate shade as according to the government regulations <laughs> so they decided to go after her for it and they went after her by assaulting her some some lady that i think was either a septuagenarian or an octogenarian so it never ends they can do what they want well that and it never ends as soon as you accept the first regulation you've accepted the first 20,000 regulations as soon as people just bow down and do whatever it is the bureaucrats are saying they need to do, then that encourages the bureaucrats to continue coming up with more rules. Well, these people are really good at jumping through these hoops. Let's give them 70 more to jump through. Sure. I mean, there's, there's, no, there's no end to how they can regulate how you live. No end to it. Nope. Um, we're like, we, um, you know, I, obviously I draw, we draw a lot of experience from Sarasota, Florida, where we are from, mm-hmm. and it's a great place to draw experience from on this particular issue. Um, now, I, th- these are anecdotal stories. I haven't looked through the laws in these, um, these particular municipalities, but right there on Longboat Key, which is just the beach, essentially, of, of Sarasota to some extent, and... Uh, they have their own municipality, Longboat Key, mm-hmm. and it's my understanding you have to get a permit to change your carpet inside yeah. your house. I, I have several it. friends who live there, and uh, you know one of them claimed to have that experience. It's hard to believe, and I won't put my name on it because I didn't have that experience. Oh, I believe but, it. Oh, gosh. This that's is where crazy. the upper crust lives, right? So things are even more insane there. 800-259-9231. Of course, a lot of places have full-time code enforcement officers that just drive around looking for stuff to uh, to ticket you for. Because, you know, it's about helping you. It's about service, right? Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building? Perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area. Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. 
This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features and we give them away, including various different ways to listen into the show. We've got our webcam, which we mentioned earlier, live streams also, broadband and dial-up version of the show, plus the Free Talk Live listen lines, which will allow you to connect to Free Talk Live via any phone that can dial long distance. I'll go ahead and give you the listen line here. It's 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. Now, if you didn't get that down, you can just go to listen.freetalklive.com, and it's, li- it's listed there at all times. So, uh, again, that's listen.freetalklive.com for live streams as well as our listen line phone number. The Institute for Humane Studies summer internship program is now accepting applications. Some of the uh, seminars include liberty and education, radicals for capitalism, ideas of a free society, liberty and leviathan, policy of the libertarian perspective. There's 11 total, so I'm not going to go through the whole list. But there are locations in major cities across the country. The IHS provides meals and housing, so you just have to get there to one of those major cities. And the deadline for application is March the 31st. It's really, really March the 31st, too. So do not screw around with this. Go to libertarianseminars.com. That's libertarianseminars.com. And if you subscribe early or you know sign up early, they actually have uh, some free textbooks for you. So, libertarianseminars.com. All right, we continue to take your phone calls about what you want. T-Bone is listening to WCER in Canton, Ohio. T-Bone, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, former uh, truck driver in L.A. County and Orange County. What city was that in Orange County? Well, it says it's Orange, California. Is there an Orange City? Yeah. Uh, But I I didn't know if it was Orange County or Orange City. What uh, they've got They've got those guys and the council members by the lower parts because desert landscaping is so easy and economical to do. And if it's in a commercial zone, they can blacktop it. Well, I don't think it's commercial. It's in a residential area. Oh, okay. Well, desert landscaping is very economical and very beautiful and feasible and and low maintenance. So they could go to desert landscaping very economically and and put their thumbs up and and nose those guys the well, the, what they did was they they did effectively go to a desert landscape and I'm there's a picture of it in the L.A. Times story which we link to everything over at uh, the Free Talk Live BBS at bbs.freetalklive.com so that'll be up a little bit later. Uh, but it's clearly a desert-style landscaping, and uh, some people would look at it and they would say, well, that doesn't look that attractive. Uh, but who cares what they think? It's their lawn. They should be able to do what they want. For those just tuning in, there's a couple over in uh, in the in the Orange area of California that is being sued by the city. They're being charged with a, a misdemeanor violation for essentially changing their yard away from grass to a, to a xeriscaping. And because there aren't enough plants in the yard, according to the city code, they're, the city's going after these folks. So what you're saying, T-Bone, isn't true. I mean, they couldn't just change to a desert. That's what they did, and now they're facing possible jail time or the stealing of their home well they want the council uh that ward whatever ward they want the council member on their side and desert landscaping is beautiful i lived out in phoenix in la and desert landscaping is beautiful so i the beef must be coming from uh somebody really well healed and well connected 
No, no, it's just the the, the code enforcers. I mean, they they probably they drive could very around. well have gotten a uh, a complaint too. You don't know. They yeah. likely get a, either got a complaint or the code enforcer just drove by. But it doesn't have to be somebody who's well healed. Once the once these laws are once these ordinances are written, then the they're just mindlessly enforced because well, you must agree to all the laws. You moved here. I mean, that's what hey, they'll I, say. I've got a question that you guys. I would love you guys to drop it on. Bostonians. I lived in Boston, and I loved Bostonian. A long time ago, they became too much like New Yorkers, uh, and that's where they had the Boston Tea Party. I'm dying of curiosity why the Bostonian people, with all the the colleges and schools up in Boston, when they decided to put those body scanners in Logan Airport, I'd love to hear uh, some feedback from Bostonians why thousands of college kids and, and other people up there in Bostonian didn't surround Logan Airport and protest vehemently you're, up You're there. saying why didn't they surround the airport? Why did they not? Well, I think this, these are questions that you could ask of the, the Philadelphians, uh, too. I mean, these these are both cities uh, that, that, at the you know, the... 300 years ago cared deeply about liberty. Now they don't. Yep. Um, you know, things change. T-bone. Well, just thought maybe you could get some feedback from the Philadelphia. Well, we're not really on in uh, on the radio in those areas, but maybe some of our listeners uh, have something to say. I thank you for the call, T-Bone. Appreciate hearing from you. 800-259-9231. You're welcome. 800-259-9231. I would say the reason why is likely if somebody thought of the idea of protesting outside of whatever airport we're talking about here with, uh, with the body scanners or, I mean... Why not protest the TSA while you're at it? Just the TSA in general, the idea of the federal government taking over uh, airline security. Protest that. You can protest that at any airport. Why aren't we seeing any protests at any airports about all the insane security procedures that we have? Want to speculate, Mark? Because uh, Americans uh, are sheep or and or they don't believe it's going to do any good. Uh, likely they'll be hassled. If I would They're think scared. most air- airports, if you went to, here in, in Manchester, uh, probably... They would be a little scared to hassle the pro- hassle the protesters because they just know there's so many free staters around that'll mm-hmm. do protests and the, the, quite honestly they like to be hassled by the cops. So um, I, I I don't think they'd get any trouble. But I bet I'll bet if you went out to some airports, go to Detroit and uh, protest <laughs> their uh, their airport, you're gonna have some trouble. You'll have probably have the police on you within minutes of uh, of starting your protest. So, number one, protests don't really do anything. Uh, Taryn over at LCLReport.com has been talking about this on a, one of his recent episodes. In that, yeah, it's good, to, it's good to have a protest because you can get together with other like-minded people and there's some networking opportunities there. But as Taryn pointed out, uh, it's not likely that some politician is going to drive by the protest after he's been using government for his whole life to, uh, to take advantage of people and screw them over and say to himself... Oh, look at that! There's people holding signs. I've uh, I've been wrong this whole time. Yeah, it doesn't yeah. it doesn't seem like it. I think that it to some extent it's sort of a it's a threat to the to the politicians and to a lesser extent to the bureaucrats, a much lesser extent to the bureaucrats. But it's a threat to the politician. Hey, if you don't pay attention, there are people out here that think this way. Yeah. And but you know when you're dealing with especially elected uh, people in such a large area. They really don't know about have to care yeah. what you think. No. A state senator in Florida, there's 22 million people in Florida. You're going to go protest his office? 
Who cares? Yeah, they just laugh at you. They don't. They don't care. They're already in power. They've I guess got I said what they state want. senator. I meant uh, U.S. senator. Um, in in Florida, those those people would be voted on. Whatever. The whole state state senators wouldn't care either. Right. But they they'd still they're still likely in districts that have a million people in it. So why aren't people protesting at airports? I think the the number one reason is people that tend to do protests. People that, that kind of know how to do protests, that have experience at doing protests, are also likely fairly well within the system. And they're likely the kind of people that believe they have to check with the city first. Oh, well, we sure would like to do this protest, but we better go talk to the city's parks department to make sure that we, or, you know, whatever city department it is, uh, go talk with the city to make sure that we can get our permits for the protest because, you know, we wouldn't want to protest and gather together without a permit to assemble. And we know that protesting at an airport is terrorism. Well, it's certainly a place where they know that there are a lot of security people. They know that the police are frequently found, and they know that there's a good high chance that uh, they'll be harassed by those security people or the police. And, and so the, the, they the don't cops, want conflict with the, the government people. The cops feel emboldened by uh, their their position. And at the airport, cops absolutely rule. I don't care whether it's TSA or the local police because they're mm-hmm. both there. Uh, when I went through one time, I had uh, an expired driver's license, basically got a temporary driver's license up here when I moved to New Hampshire, and then they sent me a, a real one in the mail that um, was sort of longer term after they properly checked me out and stuff. So I had basically two driver's licenses. One was expired, one wasn't. I went, I thought, hey, this will be great to just kind of carry along with me, but I can leave my real driver's license in the car because that's where I use it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they didn't, they, they super, super duper streamed me because of that and decided to, to frisk me. Ended up, the cop was like, you got a problem, son. It was crazy. I was surrounded by them. Dog, they had a dog. Toll free numbers 800-259-9231. So let us know, T-Bone, when you start your airport protests, and uh, we'll talk about it then. It's Free Talk Live. DVD, books, music, instruments, periodicals, computers, software, electronic, photo, cell phone, office product, home and garden, bed and bath, furniture, kitchen, pet supply, automotive, hardware, apparel, shoes, jewelry, grocery, healthcare, sports and outdoors, toys, games, used and more. It's a department store at your fingertips. Amazon.freetalklive.com. Get all your shopping done, a great deal, delivery to your door, and a percentage of your purchase will go to Free Talk Live when you enter Amazon through Amazon.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up whatever you want. Just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And all the features on our website, by the way, are completely free. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you for accessing their sites. Ours, we give away. So enjoy those uh, features. And if you enjoy the program and the fact that we give you the website for free, then you might want to consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for as little as 3 bucks a month. We'll take that money in reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more internet listeners on board, expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So head on over to uh, amp.freetalklive.com. Again, that's amp.freetalklive.com. By the way, I've uh, flipped back on the Free Talk Live Google Ads system, the Google AdWords we've been using, and I, I had to turn it off for a little while while we were pouring uh, some money into the, the website. <laughs> Emerging we money into the website. <laughs> well, honestly, looking at the cost of our website versus the cost of some other oh, yeah. websites, we, we did pretty well from yes. what I understand. Um, but I, you know, I was trying to conserve as much as I could during that time, so we should be back on Google now. Apparently, it takes them a few to start the ads up again, but that'll be good because it'll bring more more new people. So we're, we're reaching out on the internet. We're reaching out in, in real life, uh, going to the talk radio convention this month in New York City, and uh, lots of different ways to get this show uh, out into more ears, and the Free Talk Live AMP program makes it all possible. So thanks to all of our existing amplifiers, and to you if you become one over at AMP. 
www.freetalklive.com. We continue. Joe, listening in Connecticut. You're on Free Talk Live with Ian and Mark. Joe in Connecticut. Going once. Hi, guys. Hey, Joe. What's on your mind? Um, so I have an interesting story about the uh, city ordinances. Um, my grandfather used to be a landscaper, and he had a couple of greenhouses, um, and he used to sell floral arrangements and all that. And uh, so anyway, he, um, he died in 88, and then 10 years went by, and it was never used the greenhouses and uh, kids would run by and, you know, break the windows with stone and Mm. all that kind of stuff. And so one day my grandmother gets a letter in the mail saying that she has to replace all the glass. She, she goes, I, these things haven't been touched in like 10, 12 years. There's no way I'm replacing all this glass just for them to come and chuck stones again. Yeah. So she tore, she tore it all down and the city was a little irritated nonetheless, because now her taxes are going to go down. (laughs) Nice. Um, so that was one. And then another one. Um, well, hey, but before you go on with the other one, why not – wait a minute. Why doesn't the city go and catch the the, uh, the hoodlums that broke the windows and uh, force some restitution out of them, get them to pay for uh, the broken windows? The city's not responsible for, for, um, for protecting your property. Exactly. No, but they are responsible for uh, forcing you to do anything they want with it. Yeah, well, that's right. Um, so the second story um, – Apparently, somebody up the street called the uh, the city on my grandmother because the garage that my grandfather built was, it, from the outside, it looked kind of rickety, like it was going to fall over. So they told her to, I, I don't remember if they said to, to tear it down or to repair it, but nevertheless, she ended up paying, I think, like $1,700 to tear this thing down. And they brought, I, I want to say, like a backhoe or something like that to tear it down. And it took them an hour with this machine to get it down because he reinforced the inside. If that if a hurricane came by, that thing wasn't going to fall. Hmm. So it shows you what they know. Yeah, it just looked. It didn't. It didn't look. It didn't look as nice as they wanted it to. Disgusting. Where was this uh, that she lived? Cranston, Rhode Island. Cranston, Rhode Island. So it's just. It's like this everywhere. It's not just something you can pick on uh, California for. The it's likely the larger the area in which you live, the more uh, oppressive the regulations will Rhode be. Rhode Island is notoriously corrupt. Uh, that's the least. Mark, are you really trying to pretend like there are uh, urbanized areas in this country that don't have uh, these kinds of regulations? Houston's a great example. Houston doesn't have uh, it doesn't have code enforcement. I don't know about code, but uh, yeah, well, that's what we're talking about here is is code enforcement. I know that Houston supposedly doesn't have zoning in most of its uh, its areas, which I think is is great, and it's a, it's a great uh, example of what can what life might be like without zoning laws. Uh, but code enforcement is pretty ubiquitous, from what I understand, across this uh, across this country. Anyway, if you live somewhere uh, where you don't have any code enforcement, please give us a call. Let us know what life is like. Must be nice. Anyway, any other things you want to sh- uh, any stories you want to share or thoughts? Joe, Joe. He's gone. 800-259-9231. Let's talk. I think that people, to some extent, they want some minimum of uh, sort of enforcement of other people's property and what it looks like and things like that. They want some uniformity. So join a neighborhood association. And they likely would. I think you'd you'd find a lot more in a a world where cities weren't allowed to have rules like this. I think you would find a lot more places that would come up with rules on how. Yeah, you just have to have agreement. That's all you'd have to do is you'd have to find 100% agreement amongst the people you were bringing into your, your 
your neighborhood association, and voila, you've got your own neighborhood association. You can subject each other to whatever rules you want and whatever kind of democratic uh, system or whatever organizational it, system you want to. It isn't perfect, though, um, because like think about this for a second. You know, My parents uh, say they own a, a house in a very nice deed-restricted community. I uh, decide that I, I don't want to live like that. I want to live in the, uh, the wild lands out there where there isn't any zoning. And yeah. uh, they die, and then they leave me this house. Um, well, you know, that's you the house I grew it. up in, grew up in. Well, I did. I, look, I own this property. I'm part of this governmental association, no. but I didn't opt in. Wait a minute. You were given a house by your parents when they died. Mm-hmm. So it was your parents' house. They opted into that association. If you want to keep the home, then you have to abide by the rules. It's attached to the deed. It's a deed restriction. One can so, make the same claim, though, about governments now. No, you can't make that claim because governments... You can go live in Antarctica. There's no government there. Don't worry. Okay, well, <laughs> the governments, uh, governments by definition, are coercive entities that force people uh, into their association. So, no, you can't make that same claim because a homeowner's association is an entity based on consent. Each homeowner consented into getting into that organization. Now, that means that rules can change because the homeowner's associations can have rules that say – or their their order of operations or whatever that says that they can buy a certain vote or uh, – you know, I don't know. Depending on what their setup yeah, different is, rules, they um, can add – so when you join the homeowner's association, it may look differently than it will when you, for instance, die later on would down, have to. down the line. Um, but it, it was all consensual. So if you want to stay in that neighborhood, you'll have to obey the rules. And if you don't, sell the house, use the cash to buy your own somewhere out in the woods. Um, but what you're claiming is sort of that the people that set this up were in 100% agreement. So that's a legitimate government um, is, is essentially what you're coming up with here. And I don't know that it's entirely true because people can kind of end up in these situations uh, without having consented. Right. I understand what you're saying. The child situation is one of those situations where you're born to a couple of parents that are in some sort of neighborhood uh, agree, uh, neighborhood arrangement and that clearly the child did not consent. But then again, the child in a truly free, uh, free society would not be forced to live with those parents. So if the child uh, didn't want to live there, it could leave. Then it would likely have to leave the neighborhood uh, at uh, at the same time. I do, however, believe that uh, smaller governmental bodies are superior to larger ones simply because there's a, a level of competition there. The larger it is, the more difficult it is to uh, to relocate. So smaller governmental bodies, which a homeowners association is a govern, governing body, mm-hmm. smaller governing uh, certainly attracts the, the neighborhood Nazis. Yep, sure does. Which is why I don't want anything to do with such a thing. Let's continue here. Cameron's in D.C. You're on Free Talk Live, Cameron. Hey, guys, how are you tonight? Hey, what's on your mind? Well, two things. First of all, that guy was talking about body scanners and college students. I just want to volunteer myself. I will body scan some college girls any day of the week. <laughs> just throwing that out there. <laughs> Who um, wouldn't? Second thing I wanted to bring up, I'm a little bit behind Maybe on the did. podcast by a few days, but I was listening today to the one about the Founding Fathers and the article from Cracked.com. Mm-hmm. And I didn't finish with it, but uh, something I wanted to bring up is a, a Founding Father that gets left out. Uh-oh. Are we having phone troubles tonight? Cameron? Drat. Okay, well, Cameron, uh, do call back. We'll talk about the Founding Fathers with you at that time. I don't know if, if that just happened to be two phones that dropped out or what, but let's try Emio in Ontario. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Emio. Oh, hi. Hey. I, uh, I'm just uh, calling regarding Alex Jones' show. I, I have heard the what? over the phone. You, you what, what now? Sorry, uh, 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 I'm calling regarding the, 
the show that I heard uh, on Alex Jones. Okay, well, this is Free Talk Live. You're welcome to talk about whatever you want. Can you, can you explain it for our audience, what you what you heard? Oh, sure, absolutely. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm listening to Alex Jones' show regularly, and I heard about uh, um, the problems that the European Union has and uh, uh, the, the, the uh, problems with the freedom of speech. Uh, I'd like to ask uh, or hear the ideas on uh, why uh, Alex Jones would not have uh, shows in different languages. Okay, well, do you, you do understand you're not listening to the Alex Jones show now. You're not talking to the Alex Jones show. Were you aware of that at any point? Oh, no. Yeah, our board operator typically answers the phone by saying, this is Free Talk Live. Now, that's a completely different show. So oh, sorry, guys. So your question is about I mean, having shows in different languages, though? Yeah, I, well, the I reason like why I, I like can tell you why we don't do that is because we don't have the uh, we don't have the money for it. We don't have you know the ability to hire another set of hosts that can somehow transcribe it, transcribe or translate uh, this program. Certainly, there are people in other countries that are welcome to start their own free talk live. And you know, since I don't believe in intellectual property, uh, I wouldn't do anything about it. Although you know, come up with your own name if it's just certainly free talk live is the most creative name. Thanks for the call and pay a little more attention next time. It's free talk live. How long can you hold your breath? Not long. After air, water is the most critical factor for life. There are dozens of toxic substances in tap water, even pharmaceutical drugs that city processing can't remove. Sadly, most bottled water isn't much better. The chemicals in the bottles themselves are a serious health concern and a huge environmental problem. Filtering your own drinking water is the logical answer. You'll have a much better quality of water and save a bunch of money, too. Aquasana filters are thorough and more affordable per gallon than even pitcher-type filters. Aquasana is consistently voted the best choice by Consumers Digest. The filters are easy to use and install. Call 866-NO-BOTTLE to order or link online through freetalklive.com. If you'd like a 20% discount, and who wouldn't, when ordering online, use the discount code FTL. Again, that's FTL. Or call toll-free 866-NO-BOTTLE and tell them we sent you to get a great discount on all Aquasana products. Drink smart. 1-866-NO-BOTTLE. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind as we launch here into the second hour of the program. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. Nick joining us from freemindsmedia.org, where you can go to experience Free Minds Radio and Free Minds TV, both uh, audio and video forms of some more great liberty-oriented programming. Head on over, and it's free, of course, at freemindsmedia.org. As we continue here, uh, we're taking your phone calls, as always, about whatever you want. Coming up, we'll give you the latest on what's happening with the United States Postal Service. That's right. They're all about service. We'll explain what, uh, what their plan is here in a moment to serve you better. First, though, we go to your phone calls about whatever you want, and we'll start things out with Paul listening in Los. Uh, wait, Paul in uh, Los Angeles, is it? Yep, Los Angeles. All right, Paul, what's How's on your going? mind tonight? Well, I wanted to address the question about the uh, um, community organization, and I have to kind of disagree with you, Ian, on this one a bit. It's something I've been thinking about calling in about for a while, but uh, the basic principle, I believe, is that you can't own things when you're dead. So. It, it, no matter what conditions I decide I want to attach to my property, um, you know, I can will the property to somebody, but somebody alive has to own all those rights. I can't say, 
you know, I, I have had this property, and now I deem that forever it will be uninhabited and undeveloped. And then for millennia, right. everybody has to do that. Sure. You know, I, I somebody has to have the rights. And I didn't say you could I own something say, in perpetuity after you died. I didn't say that. Right, but what I, I also can't say that, you know, this property is going to have – uh, these rights controlled by the majority, you know, of, a, of certain people. Of well, yeah, I think you can. You can you can attach whatever uh, terminology that you want to to uh, the sale or transfer of a property. I mean, I I wasn't here for the earlier discussion, but I assume we're talking about deed restrictions. And yes. the thing about deed restrictions is that, in principle, at least, there's a chain of title. So that if the deed restrictions are put in place by the owner or the seller. That when that tra- title is transferred, the buyer accepts that as a condition of sale when the title is transferred and on and on down the line. So I can see what you're saying because it bothers me the idea that a deed restriction could be in placing, uh, for instance, you can't build any other structures on this 200 acres, that that could be in place 500 years from now seems a little yeah. absurd because things might have changed quite a bit in 500 years in ways that the owner could not have envisioned. But at the same time, there is a chain of title. So you have a series of agreements between buyer and seller on and on down the line every time that deed is transferred. I I guess what I'm saying is I think if you have an agreement with somebody and they die, that agreement is void. So if I agree when you sell me something that I will only use the property a certain way, that means while you're still alive, you sort of still have some of the rights to the property. I have rights to the property as long as I don't violate the agreement. But once you die, our contract is over. So I, I think I see what you're saying. I, I, I think I understand what you're saying, and I, it, I, I think I also agree generally with what you're saying. I mean, but, you're certainly disrespecting the wishes of the dead person, like by after the fact just going back on your word and you know doing something differently than what you'd originally promise. Uh, so I don't know I'm, if there's if I'm it's necessarily sure, moral. I'm not sure that I necessarily agree though, because the agreement that you're making is okay. I'll transfer title of this property over to you. If you agree to when you're putting those deed restrictions in place, not only are you saying you won't do X, Y, or Z, but it, whoever you transfer the title to, whenever as a condition of that, you'll make sure that they agree not to do X, Y, or Z. I don't think yeah, that's that, kind of the nature of I, a will, too. Right, but I, I mean, don't think that that agreement goes away because the person's dead because you're agreeing yes, even if you're not here, no longer in control of the property. The the understanding is that yes, that the person you're selling it to. We'll pass it on to the next person they sell or transfer the title to. So, Paul, I, I, I'm, I'm going to try to use this uh, idea that you have here and, and apply it to you know something else. A will is essentially an agreement between a dead person and whomever it is that they they wish to uh, you know bequeath their things to. Mm-hmm. Um, can the you know executor of that say, well, this person's dead. I'm just taking this crap. I, I would say the will should be viewed as basically the very last thing that the person does when they before they die. Well, basically, you write a will down that's saying this is going to be my last act before I die. And yeah, so, and that's not know, the same either. Says, because, uh, that's what you did right before you died. You transferred that property. Uh, yeah, I'll take your side on that one, Paul, because it's not an agreement, Mark. It's just a it's just a will. It's there's not a second side to the agreement. There's no one else signing or agreeing to anything. It's just you saying this is what I want. Well, and so then someone but else what Nick's it. saying here is that um, that a uh, you know essentially some kind of rules on property is an agreement either between uh, you know as a seller and a buyer or between in the in the case of a will it's basically the same thing here. I'll give you my property as long as you promise not to put an ice cream stand on it. You can do anything else you want, just no ice cream stands. And then, but I think that agreement is only binding while you're alive. I guess what I'm saying is the property, all of the property rights have to be owned by people who are alive. We can't have a situation where we have a generation born into a country 
that has all these obligations to people that were dead hundreds of years ago yeah. to where they have to live just because they were born. You know, even if our ancestors, say, had gotten together and unanimously agreed that we want to live in a democracy, well, the, the generations 10,000 years later are not obligated to, you know, obey a majority rule just because the people back then did. They don't own the property anymore because they're dead, so they don't have any rights to, to dictate uh, property use. I mean, a contract, you, you have to be alive. To, so in a way, if, if you sell me a, con, a, a property with a condition like that, in a way, we're kind of dividing well, ownership. So if I say I won't put an uh, ice cream stand on this property when you sell it to me, basically I own the property except you own the ice cream stand rights to the property. Yeah. So you own a piece of the property still. And so I've kind of let, you know, I haven't gotten that part of the property. But if you die, then, then you know, that's wherever you're, you could will that ice cream stand part of it to whoever you want or, you know. Somebody alive has. To I agree. Own the I right agree with the. Thing. I agree with the general sentiment because I don't really like the idea that deed restrictions could run forever and ever for the reasons you're pointing out. But however, I, I can see it more in a case that when you have a single piece of property that's say not part of a homeowners association, when it's just my homestead and I put certain restrictions in there. I, I can see more that that wouldn't hold water after I've passed away because it's really only what I wanted to happen with the property and I'm dead. When you're dealing with, say, a homeowner's association, you're sort of tying everybody's property together. Right, because then it's an agreement with uh, not just the original owner, but also you're tying yourself into that association. So when you're when right. the, the, per- the original owner dies and hands it to their son or well, whoever it is. Even when a- all the original owners are dead, everybody who's bought in at that point, some of them would be under the, I mean, the, the general understanding would be, that we're all, when we buy the property in this association, we're agreeing to whatever association rules are in right. the deeds. And so those people who are alive, say, 100 years down the line, some of them might not want to follow those things because, well, the people who made these the rules houses up are dead. won't be there anymore, though. 100 years? There's, house, there's, there's houses, houses. that have been here for technology 300 has changed. Uh, technology will change in the next 100 years significantly more than it has changed in the last 100 years. You, so let's presume. We will not be living living in the rickety shacks built in uh, the 1700s that might that populate. I, I, I would not bet money the, the on that. The outsides of them might be there, but people are still retrofitting their rickety shacks with uh, okay. insulation okay. and all kinds that, of... That may be, but the property itself, the, the land and whatever structures are on them, whether they tear them down to retrofit them, right. they're still going to be there. So the property owners are still going to be entering into this homeowners association under the understanding that those rules are there, whether the original owners are dead or not. So Right. I, I think I think that's a, the right distinction to make. Do you want to go ahead and finish well, your thought? Well, then you have people who are alive who are party to the agreement, I guess would be the distinction that you're making. Whereas if somebody violates deed restrictions that were put in place 100 years ago, who's? I think that's really something that should be handled in... In, as a civil matter, and who's really going to be able to say that they were directly harmed by that? The dead person? He's dead, yeah. Right, so so what I'm hearing here, and uh, do you have any other thoughts, Paul, on this? Yeah, well, I, I think I, I don't think that that works for the, the homeowners association because you, you can't have a, a contract with a majority or a group. You have to have a contract with, with individuals. Well, so wait a minute. How do you have distribute? A, wait. I can distribute part of my property. I could say, here, everybody but in the homeowner you... owner association owns a tenth of this aspect of the property so they can vote on it. But those people would still have the right to that percentage and they could sell it to each other or give it to each other. And, you know, they, they, no, they, I mean, know. when when you accept the ownership of that, whether it's it's willed to you or you buy that property, 
you're accepting those conditions of the property ownership. I mean, yep. I you made that decision Paul. when you bought that property. I want to so come yes, back with this. Hang on, Paul, if you could... Oh, crap. <laughs> Paul, well, I guess we don't have Paul. <laughs> Paul, you can call back because I want to continue the discussion. 800-259-9231. Whose idea was it to put the drop button next to the hold button on the phone, uh, the phone box? More coming up here. 800-259-9231. Ownership. What does it mean? How does it transfer, etc.? Your thoughts? Free Talk Live. This Your Family Today tip is brought to you by Nestle Toll House Morsels. There are a million reasons to bake with Toll House. Find yours at VeryBestBaking.com. A balanced diet is important, but so is the occasional treat. Working with your kids to bake a dessert from scratch helps them to appreciate it even more, and it keeps them from resenting having to eat their veggies every other day. Plus, baking is a perfect excuse to spend time with your kids, since just being together is a treat. For more tips like these, visit us at Parenthood.com slash YourFamilyToday. Free Talk Live. You can bring up what you want. Just dial in toll-free 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. And tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website, freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com features including our bulletin board system. Over 500,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about. Serious issues, silly nonsense. You'll find it all. Over at bbs.freetalklive.com. That is bbs.freetalklive.com. And if you're in the market for gold or silver, go check out gold.freetalklive.com. We've got some great rates there on some uh, coins that I've picked out myself. And they're not intended to be coins for people that are collecting coins or anything like that. This is essentially designed to get gold and silver into your hands as either you know, a hedge against inflation, investment, barter currency, any, any of these things seem possible to me. So gold.freetalklive.com. All right. We had uh, Paul on the phone, and unfortunately, because of a slip of the finger, we accidentally dropped him off. And I guess maybe he didn't get the message that he could call back. Uh, but he was talking about the idea of property rights and transferring ownership and deed restrictions, uh, neighborhood associations. And I think he makes an interesting point that I empathize with him on. And I think, Nick, you said that you do as well, the idea that – If somebody tells you when you're buying their property that they always want you to have a palm tree that they've got a palm tree that they planted and it's a very important palm tree and that no matter what happens, you must have a palm tree in that spot where that palm tree is from, you know, here into perpetuity. And that that is a term that comes along with the purchase of the home. That is a deed restriction placed on that particular uh, piece of property. What Paul was pointing out was that if so-and-so dies then you don't really have an agreement anymore because the person who died is no longer around. And I tend to agree with that, although I think it's kind of callous. Like, um, you know. I'm not sure that I agree. I can, I, can, I can see for people further down the line who never actually met the initial owner, I think the first person to do it, you did make an agreement with that person to do it in perpetuity. If they die, that doesn't mean you don't have an agreement with them anymore. It just means they're not alive to bother you about it. Right. Uh, you that's still why I made think it's the tacky. agreement to do it in perpetuity. No, I agree with you there. I, uh, that's why I'm saying I think it's tacky. Like, yeah, the guy's not around anymore. You're breaking your, your word with a dead guy. I think it's, it's kind of poor form. 
But at the same time, like you say, who's going to come after you if you take the palm tree away after the old man uh, passes away? Well, there's there's another sort of utilitarian aspect to this. Is what about these uh, organizations like the Nature Con- Conservancy, the Audubon Society, uh, Ducks Unlimited, which take tracts of land mm-hmm. and put them into a trust? There's also the Wildlife Land Trust. There's all kinds of these organizations, which basically it is a trust that says. You're never, ever going – this land is never, ever, ever going to be developed. I don't care if – you know, what happens. And, you know, shy of war, uh, total, you know, national change, that's essentially what is going to happen. So – we have proposed on this program because a lot of the greenies will call in about what about natural space, um, you know things like that. And in a sort of capitalist world, uh, you know, free market world, somebody could say, I want my land com- completely, uh, you know, uh, pristine, untouched. And other, you know, th- their son could say, hey, let's build a super mall here. It'll be fun. And so they es- mm-hmm. essentially change everything, and I think that you do need to have a way to preserve natural space, don't you? Oh, I absolutely agree with you. I don't think an organization like the Nature Conservancy is just going to sell off some of their land. I mean, the, a group like that is well, going to they, grab the land and they're going to hold on to it. It doesn't always work that way. It's not always owned by a trust. There are a lot of private property owners who will put a conservation easement on their property through a deed restriction. That's pretty common. That you'll have somebody who owns, say, a couple hundred acres, and they'll put at least a portion of that under this conservation easement, which is a deed restriction which says all of the land or this portion of the land will never be developed. And so in some cases, that conservation land is done through deed restriction. Well, I think in a case like that, you would need to have something like a homeowners association, which is where I wanted to go with this – This, uh, I think the, the differentiation between the things we were discussing – is he was talking about breaking the agreement with a dead person, whereas if you are given a home, bequeathed a home by your parents, and they're in this homeowners association, when you take control of that property, you aren't in an agreement with dead people. You're in agreement with the other people in the homeowners association. So similarly, so that those terms continue, because there are other people still around with the interests of looking after the, the terms and the and you know making sure that the property is is done with as it's supposed to. Same thing with the Nature Conservancy or whatever the the private individual you're talking about with the the natural easements that you're you're referencing there if they want to make sure that the person they're selling the the property to is going to take care of it in the the way that is specified then it would make the most sense for them to have a third party involved in that agreement some sort of overseer basically a caretaker for the property just somebody, somebody yeah somebody who would not necessarily even have an active role in taking care of property but somebody who would who would be an observer if you will to ensure that the terms were continued to be met uh, down the line, somebody with an interest in uh, keeping an eye on the natural state of the property to make sure that the new owner doesn't, uh, you know, doesn't break his agreement. Because if it's the Nature Conservancy, they're not going to sell land to just some Joe Schmo. Similarly, somebody that has a, an environmental attachment to their property like that is likely going to be very concerned with the person that they sell it to down the line. And one of the ways they could ensure compliance is by having a third party, some sort of eternal organization like this, uh, you know, maybe like the Nature Conservancy or like a homeowners association that is going to be able to, to keep an eye on things. And that's where I also agree, disagree with Paul because he said that, well, agreements can only be between individuals. I think that may be tr- a true statement, but it can be a group of individuals that you're agreeing to uh, something with, and that would be a homeowners association, a, a group of ever-changing individuals. It's not very likely that every member of the homeowners association is going to pass away right. uh, in the if, same week. If property can be, um, you know, 
owned separately or together or whatever, you know, in, in sort of a group uh, in, a, in a family unit, then they can be owned in other groups. So, I mean, I don't see why it couldn't be. Right, and those people own some sort of level of decision-making ability. The the homeowners association doesn't actually own your property, and that they can't likely t- determine whether or not you buy or right. sell it into whom. Essentially, uh, when you buy into a deed restricted community, you buy a a piece of land, and secondarily, you buy a membership. Uh, uh, yeah, you buy a membership over the whole land, uh, mm-hmm. a membership of a, a portion of the decision-making ability over the whole area. Right, you're giving up some of your sovereignty to right. the homeowners association in, in order to have a, a better looking, supposedly better, lo- you know, I better disagree. Variety place well i don't think those i don't think those deed restricted communities look better than uh than undeed restricted ones necessarily depends on which one i've seen some that look great and i've seen ones that don't it's well it's an issue of what you think looks good and exactly I think that, my I, my idea I think of what looks painted good. house you know nicely painted houses without rusting hulks in them and things like that look good i don't think houses that all look the same uh with the exact same specifications looks good that no the reason they do that is it's, it's just less um costly to produce them that way when you only need to have a uh you know an, a, yeah. an architect come up with a few different uh, models i mean that that's not that is not a uh, necess- necessarily an aspect of a deed restricted community. So I think we've ironed out some of the subtleties of uh, this particular conversation. Was there anything else you guys wanted to add to the discussion? No, I mean, I think it's important to point out how these things should work, but from a practical standpoint, regardless of whether you have um, a paradigm where you have government down the road or whether you have a stateless society, I don't really think people are going to be too concerned about upholding these contracts when they become two, three, four hundred years old. I don't think anybody's really going to care. There's more coming up here. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. The latest on what the post office is proposing. It's uh, not looking good for the post office. I can tell you that. We'll give you the details coming up. It's Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Help Free Talk Live via the AMP program for just $3 per month, and you'll get access to exclusive call-in lines, a chat room, and a forum at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves. Dial in and toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231 tonight. It's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com, and our wiki is there. You can go to wiki.freetalklive.com and edit almost anything you see there. Over 2,000 pages created by listeners just like you. WIKIWiki.freetalklive.com. And you can take the startpage.com seven-day challenge. For seven days, use startpage.com instead of your big brother search engine, and you can experience the difference. You'll get search results aggregated from 12 major search engines, and unlike your old search engine, you'll have complete privacy in your search, and now, privacy in your results if you want it, there's the proxy option. Whenever you get the results from startpage.com, you just click the proxy link next to uh, the the search results. You can use the regular link and go to the website as normal, or if you use the proxy link, then you essentially are browsing the web at that point, through startpage.com, making you completely insulated from the website you're visiting. Start the seven-day challenge today at startpage.com. All right, 800-259-9231. So we started out talking uh, the the absurdity of uh, code enforcement, all of the ludicrous arbitrary rules and restrictions imposed by threat of violence on everybody in various different uh, cities across the country. And now we'll talk about something else that appears in every city across the country. That is your local post office. 
the U.S. government's postal service. According to CNNMoney.com, snail mail might soon get even slower. The cash-strapped U.S. Postal Service announced Tuesday that it will incur, that's today, uh, that will incur about $238 billion in losses in the next 10 years. Because it's it, the chickens are coming home to roost. Um, you know, there's there's no organization as stagnant as a government organization, and their expectation is is that as many people, um, you know, that previously wrote letters are going to continue to write letters. We don't use stamps at my house anymore. My wife pays all the bills online, and the gover- the, the post office has essentially become a government subsidized ad venue. In the same way that Free Talk Live is an ad venue, we bring you know we we bring you a show mm. with advertising. They're just the postal carriers just bring around pizza ads and and car wash ads and and Chinese restaurant ads and whatever and and shove them in your box, dear resident. Right. That's why I didn't put one up at your house. Yeah, I I don't see any reason to put a box up that the the, the federal government then claims to own. Yeah. They must own it if they tell me that I can't have I can can't let my friends put other things in it. Right. It's yours as soon as you as, until you put it up. The yeah. box. It, if it says, I, I, it's my understanding that if it says U.S. mail on it, that they actually can't do it. So I could probably create a box that would, uh, you know, of my own that doesn't say U.S. mail that the mail carrier could put things into. Will and they I deliver write into it, an unapproved this box? This is not a mail box or something like that. And Will they, they deliver open. into an unapproved box? Because don't all mailboxes have to be approved by the post? post your box post- isn't approved. No, that's true. Mine's not. It's junk hanging on the side of your house. Hmm. That's a good point. Well, here's the rest of the story here. Uh, the next 10 years, they'll lose $238 billion if Congress doesn't permit it to revamp its outdated business model. The agency is proposing an adjusted mail service schedule, which will likely cut Saturday delivery and eliminating its prepaid retiree health benefits. That alone, it says, will cut $90 billion in costs over the next 10 years. The challenges hurting the USPS's bottom line reflect a macro change in society, according to the Postmaster General bureaucrat, uh, Jack Potter. He said at a press conference Monday previewing the proposed changes that all posts around the world are challenged, just as we are, by the diversion of hard copy to electronic medium. USPS, as though they weren't always running in the, uh, the red. <laughs> well, now they have a very good reason. USPS unveiled a list of cost-cutting measures, including closing some branches and raising its prices. Gee, you knew that one was coming, right? Two. That's a, it, as far as I'm concerned, it's a, it's a good thing them raising their prices because I don't know about that. It, it will um, once it gets up to a to a buck. Then if the Cong- if Congress doesn't pass another law, there's competition in play. That's a big if. Yeah, that's an if. You'd think though that uh, that. You know, FedEx and UPS and things like that would probably would offer first class type mail now, but I don't know. If they had the opportunity, which they don't, because they could do it if they wanted to at a dollar. I I would be happy, and I I understand that I do it from a principled standpoint where other people may not do it, but I'd be happy to use them at a dollar to uh, deliver stuff. But this is the, the this is the thing is it's all subsidized. Um, Yeah, so we don't know what the actual cost of mail is because it costs. 42 cents or 44 cents or whatever the current price is. It's 44 now. It costs 44 cents to deliver a letter from Florida to Alaska and 44 cents to deliver a letter from Sarasota, Florida to Bradenton, Florida. Yeah. So, yeah, you don't have any idea what the actual costs of delivery are on that. And, of course, uh, the marketplace would pass along the actual cost to uh, to its customers and it would kind of change how things uh, operate. But nonetheless, the agency says it expects... 
that, oh, by the way, the uh, closing branches, raising prices would also require congressional approval. So these guys can't really even change their business model without the Congress uh, essentially giving them the uh, the AOK. But Talk they're, about they're slow a private and, organization now. Yeah, yeah, right. Talk about slow and unwieldy. Uh, the agency also says it expects to save another $123 billion between now and 2020 by renegotiating transportation contracts, cutting work hours, and expanding the use of self-service kiosks in grocery stores and other popular retail spots, measures that don't require congressional approval. USPS is trying to, stir, uh, to curb steep losses. It posted a $3.8 billion loss in its 2009 fiscal year, the latest in a multi-year string of whopping losses. Mail volume was down 12.7% for the year, a trend the agency expects to continue over the next decade as more consumers opt for online bill payments and message delivery. The post office was $10 billion in debt as of September 30th, not far off from its $15, uh, $15 billion debt limit, which the agency expects to hit in its 2011 fiscal year. What what happens then? I, I'm not a financial they, expert, so I don't, they raise it. Right, right. But they raise their debt ceiling. That's yeah, that's probably what they would do. But what's the point in having one if? What's the point of that? It's, because it makes it look like they're fiscally accountable when they're not. <laughs> right. The it same is reason the, the U.S. government has a debt ceiling and they just raise the debt ceiling. Right. It is the ridiculous notion for those that uh, continue to hold on to this paradigm that somehow, sometime, somewhere, the government is going to be responsible when it comes to money. The post office uh, spent $4.8 million on studies by outside consultants. Accenture, the Boston Consulting Group, and McKinsey & Company to forecast a 10-year outlook and present a plan the agency calls both ambitious and aggressive. Any changes to the government agency's business model would have to be reviewed by the Postal Regulatory Commission, presented in a series of public hearings, and approved by Congress. The post office, an independent government agency, does not receive taxpayer dollars, and it is in and is funded entirely by its own revenue. However, the Postal Reorganization Act of 1970 constrains the agency's operations. Now, it's my understanding that that statement that they don't receive taxpayer dollars and is funded by its own revenue is only true if you don't include the pension. Is all you have to do is Cato has a great uh, article on it, and there's all kinds of ways. We're not even talking about just pensions here. There are all kinds of ways. There's the building the, rent, right? The the, the all uh, you know the the post office doesn't pay market rate for rent at all. It gets government, and the government builds their buildings and all kinds of things, and they still can't operate a profitable nope. business. Is all you have to do is go to Cato.org, and you can look it up. It is an expansive article. Very lengthy. And it shows you the myriad, the myriad of ways that the government continues to subsidize the post office. And, and this bullcrap about it being quasi-private <laughs> uh, uh, and, and self-funding is, is, is absolute not nonsense. What they really need, should do is cut the post office loose and actually, you know, I have no problem with the postal service existing if they want to, if they can actually function completely privately. Sure. And I realize, yeah, it's a constitutional bureaucracy, whatever. It's unnecessary. Yeah. I mean, th but the problem is, is it's constitutional. I agree with you from conceptually, but the problem is it is constitutional. And this is the other thing that the constitutionalists don't understand about their document. It stinks and there's no way to change it. Well, yes, there is. It's a and, and if process. we do change it, then it's only going to change in a fashion that's more socialist, not less. Yeah, and that's true. Probably. I mean, the government can just kind of have a policy of benign neglect if they wanted to. They could maintain two post offices and a post road between them. And you'd be in compliance. you just have a really crappy postal <laughs> service. And you'd let FedEx and UPS pick it up. And most people are paying bills online. They do a lot of things online. 
There's more coming up here. 800-259-9231. A little bit more about uh, what's going on with the post office. Looking at slicing out Saturday delivery. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we talk about investing in gold and silver as a hedge against inflation, investment, and barter currency. We've teamed up with Midas Resources to offer you some great rates on some hand-picked gold and silver pieces. U.S. Eagles, British Sovereigns, 20 Francs, Lakota Nation Silver Rounds, Montana Silver Reserves, and Walking Liberty Halves. Call 877-857-9938 or go to gold.freetalklive.com. The shipping is the same for one as it is for 20, so try to get as many as you can all at once. Gold.freetalklive.com. Whatever you want, just dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That number brought to you by SACL CAI, 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. Features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. There's uh, still a lot to talk about here. We're discussing the USPS, United States Postal Service, one of the largest bureaucracies uh, in the country is, is it eclipsed by, no, it does eclipse the amount of employees that the military has. Does it not? The Postal Service? I'm not sure. Couldn't tell you. I believe it does. I believe there are more postal bureaucrats than there are military bureaucrats. And the military is a pretty big bureaucracy. Maybe so, but I think they've been, um, the post office has been hiring sort of part-time contract workers more so mm. than they used to. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm not too familiar with their business, but I do know that from time to time their business is made very, very public uh, because right now they're talking about losing $238 billion over the next 10 years if they aren't allowed to uh, restructure their business. Of course, they have to go to Congress to ask permission, even though they're called an independent government agency. So are they independent or not? Well, clearly not, because, Mark, you were pointing out there's an article over at Cato, uh, the Cato Institute, that essentially just details in to the minutia kind of level the amount of waste uh, and the amount of governmental connections and funding sources that the, the post office has. You know, and it's kind of interesting because this, to some extent, harkens to the caller who had called in earlier talking about um, how, you know – if, if you make some agreement in the past that it can affect the future and that kind of thing. And maybe, maybe it made some kind of sense for the government to own an organization, to run an uh, unprofitable organization that allowed people to you know, cheaply communicate from one coast to the other and all points in between or something like that. But now we have that and we call it the Internet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people don't people don't need the post office to be subsidized any longer. They don't need that. If you want to send, you know, if you want to continue to send your bills in via snail mail, you should have to pay whatever it costs to send it from here to there to do that. If some if some private organization were to set up mail delivery, it would be much more cost effective than what the government does. You can't use their numbers because they don't know how to run a business. Yeah, I think you'd see a lot less letters being shipped and you'd probably see a lot more packages, pe- things that people actually do need yes. physically moved from one place to another place. But it's just outdated to ship printed material via 
via the mail, via yeah. c- carrier service, because you can send it electronically. It's not outdated when you think of what the post office really does, though. The post office is an ad venue. It is basically yeah. a, 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 an organization that takes junk mail and delivers it to your box. Just take a look at what you're getting. I, I don't have a post office. I don't have and a those, box any longer. Those junk so mail get services get a discount when they mail yes, stuff out. Yes, that's the thing. So, in fact, <laughs> we, 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 the taxpayer, continue to subsidize junk mail being sent to our mailboxes. It's it it's immoral. I'm sorry. You can't call it anything else. So there have been some propositions uh, out there. I mean, we were talking about cutting them loose, right? I mean, absolutely cutting the post office loose and allowing them to sink or swim in the in the real marketplace. And what could they do? You know, would they be able to get it together to the point where they could actually they live have a lot of assets and compete? And, and if you cut the tether, if you cut the tether and they were no longer hamstrung by the fact that they were managed by Congress, they they might actually shape up. They might shed some of the bureaucracy and decide, hey, if we want to stay open, we can't keep functioning like a bureaucracy. We have to function like a business. But what about the pensions? Well, here's the way you take care of it. Here's the way you have to take care of it. You take the pensions on because they were U.S. government employees, and they were just talking about getting rid of the post office. We're not talking about moving to a completely free society in one day. Um, You cut the post office loose. You let them keep their assets because they've got them, and you might as well let them keep them. Uh, You're not going to have any success just blowing up everything and selling it or whatever. You let them keep all their stuff. You cut them loose. You say, you don't get another penny. Goodbye, goodbye. No one's going to want to buy it anyway if you did. I mean, it's probably all outdated crap. <laughs> well, I mean, proprietary it's, stuff only the government can, can use. It's not, it's not as if, I mean, the equipment that they have, it's not as if FedEx or UPS or any of the other private carrier services are moving massive amounts of letters. So somebody might want to buy it, but they'd have to want to get into that business. Yeah. I don't know if there's anything better out there because... There's no competition. Maybe other postal services around the world in other countries, but there really is no competition here in the U.S. If you're in the business of moving letters from one place to another, you're the U.S. Postal Service. Well, there's not no reason at all why um, you know that uh, some you know say the say the post office gets cut loose, they can't they can't hack it, which maybe they could, maybe they couldn't. Who knows? There's all you have to do is hire a CEO and then make it happen. Um, yeah, it could but happen. we were talking last night about old businesses not being able to change with the times and. Boy, an old bureaucracy all of a sudden cut loose into the marketplace. Maybe they could make it. I mean, there is a possibility that they could, but man, they'd really have well, to get it together. There's also and fast. Always, there's always the option of doing what they do with a so-called private monopoly and break it up. Right, you and that's what I was going to say. And you break them into five competing companies. Maybe four of them go under and one manages to make it, or two stay on and three go under. Well, even even if it you you cut it all loose and they, they just figure it out on their own, whatever, if they go under, then somebody buys half of the post, post office equipment or a third of it or something like that and still manages to run a letter delivering services service that's fine. I mean, there's no reason that a lot of these communities that have tiny little post offices need them, honestly. They just don't. Yeah. And there's no reason why people need to get mail in their box every day. If they delivered mail on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays, Fridays or yeah. something like that. You imagine how much money they would save, and you'd still get mail on a, a regular basis. It's I only just, go to my mailbox once a week. Right? I get a private mailbox. I go there once a week. It's fine. It's it, it's ludicrous. It's just ludicrous. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And of course, there are also other ideas that the marketplace would bring in innovation that the marketplace could bring in to letter delivery that likely we probably can't think of many of the the innovations that w- would occur. But I know somebody had proposed, I don't remember where I read this, but I thought it was a good proposal, 
uh, the idea that, well, right now the post office subsidizes the delivering of advertising. What they could do is still subsidize the cost of sending a letter by plastering it with advertising or something like that. So yeah. essentially selling ads to Domino's to where you would have to – if you wanted to send somebody a letter, you'd have to send it in a certain size envelope, and then it would go through like some sort of printer at the post, uh, post office and bzz, you know get hit with a, a Domino's ad or something like that and then go out to uh, to the recipient or, or something, yeah, some sort of Companies like Domino's model. and that kind of thing could, um, could compete on the basis of stamps, uh, you know. I mean, stamps could be larger. They could have uh, the company's uh, logos, logos and, stuff. and stuff on them. Yeah. And then the company would subsidize the sending of your mm-hmm. letter to some extent in order to have you put their advertising yep. on the letter. That's you idea. have to look at it. Uh, you know, the post office carrier has to look at it. Anybody who comes in contact, the receiver has to look at it. You know, it's it's not terrible advertising. Say Domino says, well, instead of 44 cents, we'll pay for 10 cents of your letter. You know, we, we have the 34 cent stamp. And then they, they compensate the post office the other 10 yeah, cents. Who knows or what they would do? Or maybe. You know, if you're sending something from uh, one side of town to another, it could get delivered. But if you're sending something from Florida to Alaska, rather than actually spend the gas or whatever the amount would end up being, three, four, five dollars, who knows what it would cost? Uh, scan it and fax it. Exactly what I was or thinking. Scan to email. Yeah, yeah. scan it uh, and then email it to the location of the uh, the post office in that other uh, place. They can print it out and then go and deliver it, and it would save significantly. Uh, I mean, the only thing you'd be really paying for then is the guy who takes it out of the envelope, scans it in, and then somebody else who uh, who delivers it. Of course, then you come into the privacy issues and, and all well, of that. But. let's put it this way. If you're getting a bill or a, a medical statement, somebody at the hospital looked at that form before they put it in the envelope. That's true. So somebody working for a private business, somebody looked at what is in there before it went in the envelope. It yep. is one more person who would see it, but... It's not really private information because somebody sent it to you. Well, and that could be an option, too. I mean, you could uh, come into the the post office and you could have a a private envelope or a a private stamp or something like that that basically instructed them to say, look, I'm willing to pay the extra five bucks, you know, to get this to my destination without having anybody look at it. You could do that. Or you could accept the uh, open and scan option for a buck as opposed to five bucks. So these are, again, all things that the marketplace would uh, would be able to handle and would come up with the innovations necessary to and implement them in the uh, the time frame necessary to make it possible that they could possibly uh, and that's, succeed. I mean, that's because it's, some people who are new to these ideas might be asking why the post office can't do it. And it's not that they couldn't come up with these ideas on their own. It's that they lack the incentive to come up with these ideas because – Currently, they are subsidized by the government, right. and they are a monopoly, so there's no competition. And they're they financially rewarded for failure. Right. If they fail to uh, perform properly, they get more money. So what's their incentive to do better? Their doors stay open. They get good pensions if they deliver things well and come up with innovations, or if they don't. So of course they don't. They're not going to go through the extra work to come up with innovations and move that industry forward in the same way that FedEx and UPS have to compete against each other for market share. Right. The toll-free number here is 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Whether you want to talk about the post office bureaucracy and innovation of sending letters and packages, what could happen also in the in the future, you can do that, or you can bring up whatever you want. 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Hour 3 is on the way, and this is Free Talk Live. Thousands of years ago, from the time of Moses to the time of Alexander the Great, Julius Caesar, and beyond... 
TrustedCoins.com brings you an incredible selection of authentic Greek, Biblical, Roman, and Byzantine ancient coins, all certified authentic by world-renowned numismatic expert, Ilya Zlobin. Transport yourself to the distant past now at TrustedCoins.com. can take control of the airwaves, dial in toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. We launch into the third hour. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features, they're free. Enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. We're going to go international this hour over to the United Kingdom for a story about how when you find something, it's not necessarily finders keepers over in the UK, at least not if the word gets out about what you found. What happened, Mark? Well, that's kind of how it goes with the government every time. It's it's basically whatever they want to do, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, you know, I mean, they they you know they they've got these laws and they enforce them arbitrarily. Right. You don't want to you don't ever want the word to get out about how successful you are because if the government feels like they haven't gotten enough of a piece of your success, yeah. they'll come after you. Whether it's uh, that you started a successful business or as we saw here in Keene, New Hampshire recently that you successfully built a shelter for yourself, it doesn't even have to necessarily involve uh, a whole lot of money. There's some hobo- hobos that uh, built a lean-to basically in the woods uh, on somebody's property and the word got out about them doing it and they'd been there for a long time camping in this in this spot but until the newspaper decided to run a, f- a feature story on the industrialness uh, you know the industriousness of these uh, these bums in the woods then it was after that that the city decided to come calling and yep. uh, with all their regulations and stuff every time but this isn't building and this isn't business this yep. is from uh, daily mail got this at uh, freetalklive.com where you can rate the news stories enter news stories and then rate the news stories and i thought this one sounded pretty good a woman who found a 700 year old coin in her garden as a child has become the first person to be convicted of <sighs> failing to hand in suspected treasure <laughs> treasure Kate Harding, 23, is much, not much um, That older. treasure belongs to the king, madam! <laughs> it, it, in fact, does. It's got his little stamp on it. Uh, 23 uh, was prosecuted under the Treasure Act after she ignored orders to report the rare find to a coroner. I don't know why a coroner, but whatever. The, the court heard the silver Piedford um, marking Charles IV's ascension to the French throne in 1922 was discovered by Miss Harding 14 years ago as she worked in the garden with her mother. Following her mother's death, a short time later, Miss Harding kept the 1.4 gram item as a memento until she eventually approached museum experts with it last year who identified it as a Piedford, but she did not inform the coroner. The exact use of the Piedfords is unknown. They are generally thicker than coins and were not used as currencies. Experts have suggested they were used as guides for mint workers or as reckoning counters for officials. Only three others have been found in the UK. One found in 2007, uh, Hmm. bought by the British Museum for 1,800 pounds. Um, Under the Treasury Act of 1996, the treasure is defined as any single object at least 300 years old, which is not a coin, but has a precious metal content of at least 10%. So treasure has to be at least 300 years old and not be a coin. Yes. Okay. 
but it has precious metal content. So it could be a lamp, silverware, anything like that. Gotcha. It, you know, your silverware that you have in the uh, in the break front or the uh, the, the the cabinet uh, there that your grandmother left, your grandmother's grandmother's grandmother mm-hmm. might be 300 years old. It might be treasure. You need to report that. Yeah, you need to. The act gives a finder 14 days to inform the local <laughs> coroner of potential treasure and creates an offense of failing to carry out the duty where this is not followed. I'm not understanding why they report this to a coroner. We actually covered this on the TV show, spoiler alert, tonight. So, oh, okay. But, but I'm, I was just puzzled by the reasoning behind why it was reported to a coroner. Coroners do things besides just like search. You know, it's not just Quincy. You know, there's there's more stuff involved in that. They sort of research old things too. So, I mean, I guess it hmm. makes some sense. Ludlow magistrates heard that Ms. Harding had ignored the calls and letters from Ludlow Museum advising her to report the Pedford to district. How coron- dare she? Yeah, district coroner since. She Once it, it had been identified last February. So I love how they can decide that this thing that looks remarkably like a coin is is not a coin. Oh, it's treasure. Yeah. Too thick to be a coin. <laughs> yep. Even though their law itself says that, you know, coins are exempt. Sure looks like a coin to me. Mm-hmm. Museum staff then notified Anthony Sibley of the coroner for South Shropshire, the informed the, poli- who informed the police. Never trust the museums. Yes. Miss Harding initially claimed she had lost the Piedford, and the, um, the court heard. Defending Miss Harding, Brendan Reedy said that she had failed to notify the coroner because of disorganization in her part, and the artifact had a sentimental value to her. Miss Harding, who lives with her boyfriend on the outskirts of Ludlow, admitted having an object that is believed to have been treasure and not re- uh, reporting it to the coroner. She faced up to three months in jail Jeez. or a fine or both, but walked free from the court on Wednesday with a really? conditional discharge and was ordered to pay 25 pounds of the $300 300-pound cost. Now, wait, what happens to the the, the 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 item? I suspect she gets to keep the item. She's just... Uh, just give her a spanking. Yeah. You naughty, naughty girl. <laughs> well, I like that idea. So the, well, uh, point of information here, I just went to look up treasure just out of curiosity because when you read the legal definition of treasure, it is something that is over 300 years old, something that is not a coin, and there was some other uh, percentage content. Of, yeah, 10%. Uh, it's at least 10% silver. precious metal. Treasure, the real definition, because remember, terms mean different things in legalese. When you see a term in legalese, check it against the the real definition in a real dictionary. Wealth or riches stored or accumulated, especially in the form of precious metals, money, jewels, or plate. So money counts. Uh, Coins would count as the definition of the real definition of treasure. Yeah. But not the legal one. Just kind of a point about the difference. They just make things up. Yeah. That's what they do. All right, so make crap up. That's the story. Oh, I see. She's um, little little Miss Ludlow here, or whatever her name is, uh, got her spanking and off she went. Well, now, how many years was it between when she found it and, and now? Incredible. She found it when she was 14. She's 23 now. Well, she should have. She had more than seven, eight, nine years to <laughs> uh, to read all of the laws, and she should have figured it out by that point. Seems to me that she she'd was be obligated. Exempt, she'd be exempt as a 14 year old. Actually, it was 14 years ago. She's 23, so she actually found it when she was nine. But the Ah. the law, doesn't the law say that if you're in possession of the stuff? Because if it just says from when you find it, it almost seems to me that the statute of limitations, I'm not sure that they have that there, but it almost seems that the statute of limitations probably. It's not exactly clear on that. It just says the, uh, the, under the Treasure Act of 1996, treasure is defined as any single object is at least 300 years old. Um, It it is not a coin, but as a precious metal content of at least 10%. um, The act gives the finder 14 days to inform the local coroner of potential treasure and creates an offense of 
uh, failing to carry out a duty where this is not followed. So it, it claims that it's a finder, and she's not a finder anymore. She's a finder when she finds stuff. Now she's a possessor, and it seems to me that she was nine years old. I don't know how they could pull this off, quite quite. Well, frankly. they did, didn't they? They do whatever they want. Right. That's government for you. Exactly. And then really they just wanted to uh, to make a show of this, right? They yep. just want to see citizens, we're in charge here. You find something valuable, you report it to us. See it, report it. That's what good citizens do. Yep. Whether it's a coin or terrorism or whatever it's it is. It's not a coin, it's a Piedmont. Oh, that's right. <laughs> whatever the for, difference is, whatever it it's is. a thick coin. Yeah. <laughs> it, it's so weird. All right, so the toll-free number here is 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. And I imagine the government people, they, they figured they'd get something out of it while at the same time not having to look so tyrannical as to lock somebody up. Because to some extent, the government is concerned about its uh, aura of legitimacy. The, the difference between a government and a regular criminal gang is that the government has legitimacy in people's minds. They believe that that's necessary and that it's good. And well, so either that or the judge in this case just didn't think it was a particularly good law. I mean, that does happen. Judges are well, human beings be. and sometimes they just they will be more lenient with a law that they don't personally think ought to be one or is very could serious. Be, but the law is the law. Shouldn't the maximum penalty apply? Wouldn't you a lot could, of people say that about the law? Well, some people would say yeah. that, but a lot of judges would say they can do whatever they want. Well, that's yeah, true. I don't think that most people think the maximum penalty should apply in every case. I mean, you know, it, it really it depends on all kinds of weird factors that mm. uh, that go into these things. If she had an eye patch and and she looked like a surly guy or something like that, then then people wouldn't like her as much. But she's a you know pretty young blonde lady. If she had an eye patch, they'd think she had a whole treasure chest full of the stuff, yeah. and then they'd search things her like house. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. You can take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live, 1-800-259-9231. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. You are invited to take control of the airwaves. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online, freetalklive.com. All the features are free. They include the Shrine of Female listeners, the dozens of ladies that have taken the time to send us their validated photo or video to show they are indeed listeners of the program. The Shrine brought to you by Manchester Brewing at manchesterbrewing.com. You can go to shrine.freetalklive.com, see it, and get interactive. Plus, I want to tell you about the Free State Project. It's your best chance to achieve liberty in your lifetime, getting together with hundreds of and thousands of other like-minded, liberty-oriented people in order to uh, to work towards more freedom. You can go to freestateproject.org to learn more about the project. You can also uh, learn more about the upcoming Liberty Forum happening here in a matter of just a couple weeks, uh, the 18th through the 21st in Nashville, New Hampshire at the Crown Plaza Hotel. Free Talk Live will be broadcasting live 
every single night of the Liberty Forum. Looking forward to, to meeting a lot of our listeners, uh, many of them again, because people just keep coming back. Once you've been to one Liberty Forum, you don't want to miss the next one. There are so many great speakers and panel discussions and uh, after-hours parties, dinners, keynote addresses. It's, it's just a wonderful social opportunity and learning opportunity as well. A great chance to get together with other liberty-minded people in the same place and enjoy each other's company, get to know one another. And because a lot of these people, if you're a member of the Free State Project or a participant, a lot of these people, they're already here in New Hampshire. They are already got, they already have their boots on the ground. They're doing the activism. You hear about a number of them uh, on this program. In fact, you hear from a number of them when they call in. You'll actually get to meet them in person. You know, People like uh, Dave Ridley from RidleyReport.com. I don't know if Taryn Lupo is going to be up there, but I know he's been up uh, in the past. And uh, lots of great folks up there. And, of course, big names like uh, Andrew Napolitano, the judge from Fox News. He's going to be one of the, t- uh, the keynote speakers. So go to freestateproject.org slash libertyforum to learn more about it. Also, the Free State Project counter is at 9,972. So now just 28 away from reaching the 10,000 mark, which will put us at halfway to the, uh, the eventual goal of 20,000 people pledged to move to New Hampshire in search of active, uh, getting active for more freedom. freestateproject.org. Oh, by the way, our discount code for the Liberty Forum is FTL. You can save 10% if you use the code FTL. We continue here with your phone calls. Michael is in South Carolina. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Michael. Hey, how's it going? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Um, I wanted to call in and uh, talk to you all about uh, nationalism versus statism. Okay, nationalism versus statism, okay. Uh, Yeah, I've called in uh, previously and talked about the definitions of the two, but really I wanted to, uh, to talk... To say that uh, nationalism doesn't necessarily mean statism. Okay, explain. Um, well, I, I, the way I see it, and I think historically that it, you know, it, it proves my point that there's at least at least two types of nationalism. One that is very statist, and it emphasizes obedience and war and power and and all this stuff. But there's another that's not statist, and it's about culture and not government. You could, for instance, say the Lakota Nation may be a not-so-statist kind of nation. Would that be an example? That's a great example. So what's the value in it? Value in what? There's a lot of value in it. Culture really uh, unites people, uh, especially in a geographic area. It, it, uh, it's a way of transmitting uh, you know, ways of life from one generation to another. Um, there's a lot of value in, in, in culture, and which is really nationhood, is, is founded upon culture and family. Yeah, but it, you know, it gets it gets murky when you start talking about that. When, when a nation's as large as the United States, I mean, what cultural, uh, you know, what uh, cultural similarities does somebody in San Diego share with you? Um, none. Right. Right. None. Very. Very because few. The United States is not a cult. Is not a nation. Right. And the other it's thing, an I'd empire. Like to, it, well, it's, it's basically it's a nation state. I mean, politically speaking, well, it is one it's entity. A state. But, Culturally, it really the United States isn't really what I would call a nation in the the sense of a nation rem- when you remove the state from the equation. The other part that I'd like to to point out is that um you know the sort of nationalism you, you say it unites people but it doesn't unite no. people it it groups people yes, it, does. It, it it unites some people but it doesn't unite others. So for instance, say you've got yourself a little uh, South Carolina uh, culture thing going on there. There yeah, are people. Absolutely. We do right there, there, there. You do, and and but there are people that are excluded from that. Um, and sure. you, you know, some of those people 
are excluded by skin color. They're excluded by the places they were born. Not really. Uh, well, South Carolina really. has the, the rebel flag in its state flag. What I mean, the KKK I can tell you that KKK... a lot of people don't like that crap. What, what if the KKK formed <laughs> the North KKK Carolina, nation? None, neither North Carolina or South Carolina has the uh, Confederate battle flag in its state flag. I thought South Carolina but, did. But South anyhow, Carolina, isn't that the blue flag with a palm tree? South, yeah. yeah. The South Carolina flag comes from the Revolutionary War. It was a symbol against the British Empire. Huh. It, I wonder what I'm thinking it's of. It's the oldest state flag but, in the but, Union. No, I agree with what Mark's saying here, because if you form a nation well, of hate mongers, then clearly that's not going to bring people well, together. But nation, not to say well, South Carolina is A nation South could be bad, but that's not to say it is. People in well, let me, France, let me the, the French mind. people, you would call it the French nation because... People there speak French, and they have certain customs and folkways, sure. which is Absolutely. the way it works everywhere. It, it's good to but, have social know, norms. You know, um, I value my family, but you're not a member of my family, mm-hmm. right? Sure. It, it, that doesn't mean that I don't like you, you know? And in the same way, you can have different nations, like he, uh, he just brought up the French, right? I'm not French, but I don't have anything against the French. I recognize that they are a nation of people, and you know I just want to trade freely with them and live on good terms. I think what it depends. I think what it depends on is the uh, the attitudes of the people in the so-called nation. Sure, yours is good, but when it comes to groups, people tend to be exclusionary, and that's um, and that's what this nationalism thing's all about. Look at the Olympics well, as an it example. Can be if it's statist. Well, right, but that's what it leads. That's what it leads to the idea of well, we're Not different from those. We're 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 different from those other people right. in that other it's nation. It's an us them situation, and us them yeah, situations well, don't go well. Way, but it's not. It's not necessarily. Uh, you know, a combative relationship. Like I'm. I agree with you. I agree with you with what you're saying that it's not necessarily that. But I think the nature of uh, of human beings to group themselves to 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 decide in what group they are a part of and then decide they don't like the other groups uh, is to some extent uh, that that's part of this problem that uh, that we're talking about here. And the 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 jingoism and the nationalistic uh, factors are are important. If you've got a nation like the Lakota Nation that doesn't mind having other people coming in and uh, you know, it doesn't really have any issues with the surrounding areas and that kind of thing. Then that you're not going to have that. I don't. I don't think that attitude as much. Uh, maybe the larger the the group becomes, the more likely that kind of group think mentality comes in, or that uh, that that right. putting people into groups and well, pretending like they're different because they're from a different plot of land. I think it's very right. dangerous. Even though there are potential negatives well, to it, though, I think that's just the way people are. People who live in the same general area. Are, are probably going to relate to each other better. I don't Absolutely. kiss somebody on the cheek. When I meet another man on the street, I don't kiss him on the cheek. I know Europeans who would, if they were in Europe, I shake right. a guy's hand. So that, I mean, that's right. one thing where it's done differently in another place because that's just the way it's done in that social sure. setup. Hey, Michael, thanks well, for the call you know, and the thoughts tonight. I appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. Look no further than the Olympics. Uh, there was some radio station that pulled off all Canadian music here in the United States because I guess the Canadian team won the hockey game over the weekend or something like that. They they pulled Rush and they pulled whatever yeah. Canadian artists when, off the when air. When you created us, there has to be a them. And when you're in those situations, it doesn't it, it doesn't take too much to separate. There's more for them. 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. 
You can listen to Free Talk Live on the radio via podcast, the webcam, and our live streams at freetalklive.com. Not enough options? Now you can listen to Free Talk Live from any phone, anywhere. Add this number to your phone, 760-569-7752. It's a long-distance call, so make sure you're familiar with your phone's calling plan. The Free Talk Live listen lines are airing the latest episode of Free Talk Live 24 hours a day, including our live shows. Call 760-569-7752. That's 760-569-7752. Talk Live, you are invited to take control of the airwaves. Dial in toll-free at 800-259-9231. You can bring up anything. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free. The website redesigned for 2010. It is far more interactive now. You get to uh, submit your own story ideas, your own show prep, have other listeners vote it up or vote it down, and you can vote up and vote down other stuff, too, at freetalklive.com. And critical thinking question. Why would something that is so good for us, like government education, need to be imposed on us with the use of force and funded by the use of force? Maybe something else is going on? School Sucks Podcast is a show about the end of government education. You can visit schoolsucksproject.com to learn more. That's schoolsucksproject.com. Calm. As we continue, you can take control of the airwaves to across the pond. The UK Ziggy is on the line. Ziggy, you're on Free Talk Live. Right, that coin. Um, believe it or not, uh, the reason that woman was prosecuted had a lot to do with nationalism. Um, this is going to. You're make- talking about the woman who was prosecuted for finding a uh, piece of treasure in her garden as she, as a nine year old. Then 14 years later, the government finding out about it and deciding to prosecute her over it because there's some sort of so called duty or obligation to report all the treasure you find. Yeah, um, this is going to give you the creeps. There's a government department here called the Department of Culture and Heritage, and boy, does it smack of nationalism because it's about you know, protecting British culture and heritage. Um, hmm. You know, um, the second point to make about that woman and the coin is that last month there was a report by the Liberal Democrat Party that the Labour part, uh, the Labour government since 1997 has introduced over 4,000 frivolous offences. And because of that, um, basically, those who do commit serious crimes are getting lesser sentences than they should do. No, wait, when you say frivolous offenses, are you talking about the antisocial uh, social behavior orders or something else? No, things like you can't uh, poach certain, but uh, you can't kill certain birds on uh, a Sunday or things like that. You yeah, know, okay. really, really stupid things. I mean, believe it or not, there is a government law, you can look this up. You have to ask a government minister to swim the, t- uh, the deck of the Titanic. What? You have to ask for a government minister permission if you want to swim the deck of the Titanic. Is the Titanic too far down to dive? Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not joking. There is a law here on the statute books for that. Uh, was that law from before when the Titanic crashed or, or sunk? or when I, I don't know, but I do know that that Weird. is a law here. You know, we have a lot of frivolous laws. I mean, yeah. Yeah, the, our, our history is, is far longer. And, and, and uh, you know, Parliament doesn't repeal enough laws. What it does is just make new statutes. And, you know, previous laws get... Well, right, they're called lawmakers, not law removers. Anyways, the problem is that, of course, the police feel obliged to, you know, you know, uphold the rule of law, which means having to prosecute, you know, 
so you know, uh, you know, everyone for all, all offences, or try to, you know, prosecute people for, um, you know, as many offences as they can. And in the, that process, you know, they have to now, pri- you know, prioritise those who actually commit serious crimes like robbery and assault. Well, yeah, they don't get any money out of robbers and assaulters and that kind of thing. They uh, they do, however, make sure that they uh, they cash in on absolutely anybody that's been speeding or or littering or something else uh, that you know is much less uh, of significance. Yeah, but the, the, the your point is that of course they're allow, allowing you know people who are potentially dangerous back out in the streets. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and whereas you know finding some old lady because. Of, you know, she hasn't put her rubbish out properly. Yep, you got to catch those potheads too. You know, you got to fill the prison prisons up with yeah, all those drug funny, users. Yeah, you know, I've, I've, I've got a joint on the go. Um, <laughs> oh no, the fuzz are going to be around here in five minutes. I'm sure they're listening in. Yeah, um, I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> right? I mean, you guys even have TV permits over there. Oh yeah, the TV license. There's, there's a story in the news today. Uh, the BBC have announced they're, they're going to downsize. Uh, they're going to cut some of their digital radio stations, and they're going to halve their website. I went, yeah, but I bet that the TV license will still go up next year. Mm. And the fact that you know, I get, you know, what you know, you got all these people say, you know, one of the music stations is sort of like um, serious music for like people from the age of thirty-five to fifty. You know, it, it, you know, I, I guess you could loosely describe it as adult-orientated rock. And they're all going. They've launched some Facebook campaign to stop you know this station being closed down. And I said. I wonder if any of them realise that that station has actually been funded by coercion. You know, the, the fact that if I don't pay, you know, the TV licence, I could end up, you know, with either a whopping great fine or, or six months in jail. And then you get people, you know, because I, I often, you know, say, but the, you know, I really object to having to fund a state as mouthpiece. And people go, oh, no, but the, gov- but the BBC is independent of government. And I go, <laughs> well, who, who, gives, who, gives, who gives the BBC their charter to operate? Parliament. Yep. Thank you. Hey, Zig, are you, uh, the TV f- licensing fees, do those go to the radio stations? That's, is, is that time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The whole of the BBC is funded. They used to be a separate radio license. But now it's really? All combined in the TV, yeah, all combined in the TV license. So, um, so what if you don't have television and you do have a radio? Do you still have to have a license? No. No, uh, no. Rolling back the state there. It's just easier to go after the TV owners, subsidize the radio listeners who don't yeah. want to pay for the license. <laughs> but, but, but get this, right? You in America, you can access the BBC News site, right? Yes. But last week, there was a news, there was a, a, a news program, which um, uh, I thought Gardner should see. So I sent him the link. And he can access it because only people inside the, Uni- uh, inside the United Kingdom could. So yeah, basically, no if you, yeah. Well, I, I've never know. had that happen. I mean, was it was it, was there anything unusual about it? Because I've I mean, I I see a, I've never had anyone from the UK send me a BBC article that I can recall. But no, no, this wasn't this wasn't actually on the BBC News site. This was actually on I think called the BBC iPlayer. Uh, okay. Which, which is like uh, you know uh, rescreening their, their yeah. TV shows. Yeah, it's one of those uh, digital rights things. Uh, thank you yeah. for the call, Zig. Appreciate yeah. hearing from you. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. For instance, if you go to uh, YouTube and you try to watch some video, in some instances it'll say, we're sorry, but we can't display this video in your country. So there are certain content types that have been restricted. I'm sure you could rip the audio out and put it into a different file. Send that. Rip the audio of what? Well, I assume it was that. I, I assume he was talking about an actual radio clip. Ah, uh, yeah. Could you could take that you could audio and get that. it. Right. Yeah. 
Absolutely. There are always ways around uh, the, the internet restrictions. Let's continue with Ken listening in New York. Ken, you're on Free Talk Live with Ian, Nick, and Mark. Yes, uh, thank you for having us uh, Free Talk Live. I thank you, a, Ken. What's on your mind? Yeah, I have a, a, another subject, and uh, I guess you can say it ties in with uh, what, like Nash, the idea of Nash, nationalism and force and, you know, stuff like that. But yeah. one of the uh, less obvious ways that it's possible to uh, force control over someone is, uh, is by controlling... Know, what they think and, and how they think. Uh, and television is one way that most people are at least aware of, even if they don't know the specifics of it, you know. Uh, like commercials kind of tell people to buy their stuff or buy more stuff than they would otherwise buy. But another um, less obvious thing that I want to I bring up is, is, the, actu- is uh, the using of certain frequencies and broadcasting these certain frequencies just through the airways that can affect the way a person feels. Well, I, I understand that there are uh, noise guns and that kind of thing that the government people have, this para- like a parabolic dish or something like that, that they have mounted atop of armored personnel carriers, and they can actually shoot you with it and make it so... Oh, it- yeah, they have microwave guns, too. Yeah, so yeah, there are certainly frequencies that can uh, resonate uh, with your with your body and make it so it's very difficult. Electromagnetic uh, fields can affect your mood, too, I mean, if they're very strong. But is that what you're talking about? Are you talking about, like, actually controlling somebody's mind with a, with a field, or are you just talking about making it inconvenient for them to, uh, to think straight? I'm, I think it's more like making it inconvenient for them to think straight. At, at, at this time, that's what do, you, do you believe that uh, that you are being hit with these uh, these transmissions now, or do you just believe it's a possibility? No, I, I, I think I think uh, that we are now. And in fact, you know those. Um, Maybe those... you just didn't get enough sleep last night. Thanks for the call tonight. Appreciate it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. That's the SACL CAI toll free line. I feel as clear as I ever have. Yeah, you can bring up anything. I'm a little sleepy, but I didn't get a full eight hours. It's free talk live. Free Talk Live amplifiers get access to higher quality archives free of commercial breaks and other perks. Join AMP for just $3 per month at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. Bring up what you want. Dial in toll free. Oh, I don't know if we're going to get your call on because well, phones are loaded up. 800-259-9231 is the number. And tonight it's Ian with you. And and Mark. You can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give you the features for free. If you enjoy this program and you want to help support Free Talk Live, get your shopping done over at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. And I would say it's a fairly decent percentage. I think Amazon pays out like 7 8% based on the uh, the amount of volume that uh, that we do. So head over to Amazon.freetalklive.com. You can order anything from books to groceries to furniture. I mean, they've got virtually anything that you're looking for. Amazon.freetalklive.com. As we continue here uh, with your phone calls about what you want. Malcolm is in Texas to start things out. Malcolm, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, how you doing? What's on your mind? Your friends were uh, talking about mind control, and I'm noticing an interesting pattern of mind control that's going on regarding the media and Israel. And if you look at, like, June 8, 1967, the USS Liberty was allegedly sunk with um, President Johnson giving the orders to have it sink because they wanted uh, the sinking to be blamed on Egypt. 
so that we could go into the Middle East war while we were having another war going on in Vietnam. And, of course, that was a big bust for Israel. And that whole summer, this was when, this was the summer of love, 1967, LSD, which was being experimented with by the CIA, was just dumped on everyone, especially in the San Francisco area, in 1967, while this was going on. Now, what are you, what are you getting at? I'm saying that any time that Israel gets busted for something major, I'm, I'm listing a bunch of events. Anytime something major, um, anytime Israel gets busted for something major, the media immediately comes up with something, or some kind of bizarre trend takes place to cover it up. And we had a, something recently with that in Dubai. 27 people from Mossad allegedly were photographed by uh, the United Arab Emirates who came in and murdered a Hamas um, general or whatever. And two of these people, apparently, they had fake passports. One had a British passport, one had an Irish passport. Two of these people came into the United States. Dubai's asking the FBI to investigate this. And we're not hearing anything. And just as this event happens, well, you, you have you have this entire um, debacle with Greece take place. And, and then, then the you had riots, another you mean? incident. The riots? Well, the no, debt well, crisis. The, the financial meltdown in Greece happens just. Well, what you're talking right about that. here is correlation, uh, not necessarily causation. I mean, you're you're just picking things out that happen to happen at around the same time. And any day in the in the I world, there are always multiple events occurring that are. Uh, I think yeah, you're dr- I think you're connecting dots that don't need to be connected. I will say that because Israel is very closely in sync with the U.S. government. I'm sure that the U.S. government helps them cover things up, and the the incidents yeah, that you mentioned did happen. Well, I would say that there's some truth to the yeah. I would say that there's some truth to the statement that the U.S. media is a lapdog of the of the government for the most part. We're talking about the mainstream media. Obviously, the internet is uh, is completely uncontrolled. Uh, but the government's good at spinning things too, or yeah. diverting. But I mean, and, like look at like look at when Lebanon was beating the pants off of Israel in 2007. What became the big story while this was going on? John Bonet Ramsey's murderer was found in uh, Bangkok. Well, to I mean, be that... fair, I remember a lot of images coming out on CNN from the Middle East too. I mean, I, I do remember seeing a, a fair amount of press coverage. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're really you're cherry picking there. I think that there's some truth to the idea that the, the 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 U.S. media, mainstream media, is definitely in line with the state, but that's because their status, not necessarily because there's a big conspiracy. Well, I think a lot of them get their information directly from the government without doing investigative journalism yes. like they should. So they just take they whatever take the press word. release says. Yeah, and then they essentially reprint the press releases. So I think there's some legitimate critique there. Uh, the suggestion that LSD was intended to distract people from uh, worldly events, uh, specifically the events in uh, in Israel, seems pretty well, ludicrous. One of the events, but you also had, you had Vietnam going on as well. Right. But, the reason, um, like, now look, I wasn't around back then, but I can, uh, you know, I can speculate based on being part of the counterculture and having some, ex, you know, experience in the uh, the underground world of drug use. Uh, I can say that it's likely that a number of people were taking LSD because it was counter to the war culture. It was at the time, but you also had a lot of issues going on. You had the Black Panther Party screaming that the Vietnam War. There were a lot of black men that were being sent over to Vietnam, and they were screaming. The Black Panther Party weren't screaming. I guess that's a bad word, but they were alleging that um, a lot of black men were being sent over there um, because it was they were being 
incentivize a white man's war. No, that, that's pretty much true. probably truth to that. Yeah. yeah. And you were also, and you had an event like this going with the USS Liberty. I mean, it, it definitely solidified the point. And th- this was also around the time J. Edgar Hoover started COINTELPRO. Thanks for the call tonight. I appreciate hearing from okay. you at 800-259-9231. If I was born on the if I was born on the day that Jim Croce died, would it be would, could we come to the conclusion that I was he incarnated? You could. Right. See, that's the thing You'd about just be nuts. That's the thing about the... drawing these events and no. trying to bring them together is that you there's so many different directions you can go with it. You can do it with anything. You can yeah. you can associate two events that happened around the same time but weren't actually caused by one another. It's a common kind of conspiracy theory thing to take yeah. some elements of fact and mix them in with con- pure conjecture. And the broader you make it, I mean, the grander you make the con- the conspiracy or the the theory, the, the bigger the, deal it the, seems. The, the, well, and the and the less likely you are to be correct. The more yeah, elaborate yeah. you make it, the more difficult it gets. If it's a very simple conspiracy, these people lied about this to these people, then yeah, that might have actually happened. All right, we we'll continue here. Uh, we go to Jeremy in Alaska. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jeremy. Hey, guys. What's on your mind tonight? Hey, uh, I just uh, wanted to call up and say that uh, all government can't be bad. They uh, have a, uh, they had a boat auction here in Juneau, and I scored a like a $25,000 boat. <laughs> well, just because you bucks. can benefit from the uh, the largesse of the state and the spoils How could it be wrong? and the spoils that it uh, it takes from people doesn't mean that it's good. Was it a tax auction or was it like a a police well, it's like uh, people abandon their boats or whatever? Or they get uh, or seized. They get way behind on their rent then the city impounds them. But uh, it's a lot bigger boat. And it's got a nice deck on the back of it. So hey, you might as marker. well take advantage of the system while it's there, right? I mean, they're screwing you as much as they possibly can, so I don't blame anybody well, for someone else's loss for not paying their fair share. Well, you, you presume know? they might have seized it from a drug dealer. I mean, that's uh, that's a possibility, too. Yeah, that's a possibility, too. But I was just going to say that uh, if any of you guys ever make it up here, sleep six comfortably. It's going to be a beautiful <laughs> fishing boat. And... Uh, I, I understand there is an open well. invitation uh, to, patriots to to get away, but well, thank you, Jeremy. I appreciate hearing from you, and uh, thanks for the call. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Open invitation for uh, Liberty lovers to hang out on Jeremy's boat. You know he's going to supply you with alcohol. There's no doubt about that. We continue here uh, with Gene uh, in Tennessee, the Christian anarchist. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, guys. Gene. I wanted to talk to you about George Washington's teeth. All right, do it. Uh, you guys talked about that uh, a few days back, and uh, I, I kind of caught the gist of it, but it, it sounded to me like you guys were attempting to say that George Washington stole teeth from his slaves. I think somebody told us that, and we like, oh, wow, that's terrible. I think that that's I think Sam suggested that was what happened, if I... Yeah, well, it it's... Uh, you know, and this happens a lot. I know that people hear something, and then they... They spouted over the air like it like it actually is true and mm-hmm. all this. But I went and looked that up because when I stop, when I start thinking things aren't true is when they just don't ring right. You yeah. Know, they, you hear something and you say, well, gosh darn it, that just doesn't sound right. Always check it when you feel that way. And there are so many of those crazy rumors going yeah. around. Now, there is, of course, most of these rumors have a hint of truth to them. And so I just went online, I looked at this, uh, there's a PBS special, The Private Life of George Washington's Slave, and it's very interesting. It has a whole lot of stuff in there. 
but it does talk about how during that period of history there was a naval surgeon who came over from France and he started doing these tooth transplants. And they only lasted about one or two years, but they would transplant teeth from certain people. And they they would put an ad in the paper if people were hard up for money, they could donate their teeth for 42 shillings. It mm-hmm. says here, I don't know what that is, how much 42 shillings was. But um, at any rate, you could go somewhere. It's like donating blood. You could donate your teeth and get some money. Mm-hmm. So well, what happened was George Washington did indeed use some, have some of these teeth apparently implanted in his mouth, mm. and he bought them from his slaves. And the interesting thing is that slaves had quite a bit of more freedom than what we think of because the slaves would have their little businesses going and uh, they would train dogs and, and there was all kinds of things that they did. But apparently they sold him some teeth. Okay, so he didn't, and, he didn't knock the teeth out of their mouths uh, without buying them first, but the other hand, it's not like they had the most uh, choices as far as their yeah, economic leave. options. Thank you, and Gene. Thanks, Gene. we got to run. More tomorrow night. See you then. Freetalklive.com. Have you been thinking about starting a website? I'm going to tell you about a great offer from HostGator. HostGator is a worldwide leader for web hosting, and they make it easy to get your own .com domain name. You create your very own website with their free site builder tools and templates. Use the coupon code FTL, that's FTL is in Free Talk Live, and sign up at HostGator.com to receive your first month completely free. Whether you want a personal blog or a complete e-commerce business website, let the experts at HostGator.com host you.